Thank you, Father. We just thank you, Lord, this joy is set before us, Father. We thank you, Father, that we be not troubled, Father, because you have overcome the world, Father. I thank you, Lord, that there's so much power in you and we don't even realize it. We have so much authority in you and we don't even understand it, Father. But I pray today, Father, that we would understand, Father, that we would see, that we would have revelation, that the seven spirits of God would invade this place, invade our minds, invade our hearts, and help us see it, Father. Help us hear it, Father. We don't want to be carnal anymore, but we want to understand our Lord and Savior. We don't want to just call Him Lord and Savior. We don't want to just call Him Lord and Lord and King of Kings and not understand what we're saying. We don't want to just sing about it we want to understand what we're singing so we can have that much more power in it father and i thank you lord that a man with understanding can draw out the water within him and we have living waters inside of us father and when we understand we can draw that living water we can even draw the presence of god because when he sees that we understand he can trust us so you want to be trusted before god but you need to understand god or understand his ways and understand his things. There's things you may not understand ever about God or for a long time, but there's things we need to understand now. Life and godliness, we understand. We need to understand the character of our Lord. We need to understand and know his heart. We can't just talk about his name. We need to know the soul of God, the mind, will, and emotions of God, how he feels about things, what he thinks about things, what he says about things. And this message is called Jesus is King. Jesus is king because many don't even know what they're saying when they say Jesus is king. But then they look at what's going on out there right now and then they're fretting. And they're saying, what happened? What happened to our man that was supposed to be, I'm not even going to go into it. I had a dream about it last night and God showed me he's exposing things. But I'm not going to even talk about that. But I, what I'm talking about, the main problem, see we're, we're, we're worrying about four more years of everything. But look at the main problem right now is everybody's reacting to what's happening now and they're like, they're scared. It's Christians. Fretting. Even the wind knocked it. I, and I'm not saying I'm free. I'm, trust me, I'm guilty just as much as you. But God had to rebuke me and he said, don't you understand? You don't understand that I am the king. He's not the king. The man in the office is not the king. There, there's no king above the king of kings. That's why it calls him the king of kings. He's king over every single king, every, every leader, every president, every congress. It doesn't matter. He decides. But because we don't understand why he does things, because our thoughts, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we try to take God to our place of carnality and say, well, if God was the king, if he was really the Lord of lords, there would be a righteous man in office. There would be this. There would be holy people. There would be no abortion. But you don't understand. His kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is a, is a heavenly place that is not by observation that you can see it. So if you see it, that's not it. But if you feel it and you know it by your spirit, that's it. Because it's only within and anything without is nothing except dirt that we came from. We came, God made a living soul out of dirt. But it's the, it's the soul, it's the spirit that dwells inside that soul that is most important. That we need to, that we need to exalt. Jesus is king. He is the king. And we, we need to, we always think about, well, God is in control and God knows what he's doing and God's doing this. And, he, and, he, and we see scriptures, but we don't really, it's not flesh in us. It's like we still, because if it was flesh in us, what happened yesterday, we would have been like, Lord, have your way. We would have been like, God's doing something and he's the one that did it. So, and honestly, it ain't even over anyway. But I, what I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to get to that. What I'm saying is, the one day there will be an antichrist and it will be ordained by God. Do you understand that? It's going to be ordained by God and it says power will be given to the beast over the saints. Where do you think that power comes from? Because the Bible says there is no power that is except from God. Even Satan's power, Satan was the most majesty of angels, whatever. You know, everybody knows about Satan and how great he was and the presence of the Lord and then he turned. But the gifts and callings are irrevocable. So even Satan's power and the things he had and the things he beheld in heaven, it was irrevocable. So he's still, so we wonder, how does Satan have power? Well, he's actually using God's power, but he's manipulating his power. And he's also manipulating the word because the word has power. So when he takes out the word and he perverts the word, he gets power. But really, he's powerless because Jesus crushed his head. He died on the third day and he rose again and he's overcame the world, meaning he's overcame Satan, meaning he can't do what he did to people in the Old Testament. And even in the Old Testament, if they were one with God, they still couldn't get touched. 
they still weren't touched. Even the Israelites, they only got touched and they died and they got sucked up by the, by the earth because they were rebellious. But even now, how much more power do we have? Because it says even, even John the Baptist is the least in the kingdom now. And he was called the greatest prophet. But you are greater than John the Baptist. And even John the Baptist was so fiery. But how much more fiery are you supposed to be? Because now you have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords dwelling with inside of you. And many prophets sought and tried to understand, but they could not understand because it was for you to understand. This generation, wake up because you're in the greatest generation there ever was. Because the latter rain shall be greater than the former. If we don't understand this. Oh my God. We don't understand this, man. Most of the church does not understand this. If they would, they would be rejoicing because look at this. Psalms 47. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Listen, most of the time when the Israelites were being turned over to the enemy, when things were happening or, they were, or, God, or God was protecting them, it never mattered how strong their enemy was. It mattered about their heart. Everything God does in the land is about the heart of his church. So everything God is doing out there and then what's going on on TV, it's for his church, the apple of his eye. When are we going to get it? We're trying to make a, a land great again, but God is trying to make his church great again. Where are we going to get those hats and shirts? C-A-G-A, whatever you want to put it. Church great again. His church. Not a building, not a man, but a living organism. The body of Christ fitly joined together in one, sitting on the apostles and prophets on Jesus' shoulders, not being built by the hands of man, but by the hands of God. But we want to get our taxes back to where we want it. We want our house to not have the mortgage that it has. We want our cars to not have that big tax when we go have to go get it. But it's not about that. Even if Jesus is really your Lord, why can't he provide all that extra money you have to pay? I don't care if they say they're going to raise this or they're going to raise that. My Lord is king. He is king. He is provider. He provided manna in, in, the, in, the, in the wilderness. He provided coral. He provided a fire. He provided water out of a rock. Who can do that? But the Lord Almighty... Do you understand? If the fire is not erupting in your bones right now, you need your heart to be pierced. You have a hard heart and you need it to be broken. Break our hearts today, Father. Break us. Let us be vessels of honor and not of dishonor, Father. I just want the church to awake because they don't understand. The shaking is because God is awaking, but everybody wants the awakening without the shaking. We need to be shaken. And everybody these past couple days have been shaken. And they don't know why. But the greatest thing about what just happened is that everybody's on their knees. Everybody's praying. Everybody's seeking the face of God. Wasn't that the whole point? Wasn't it the whole point of the church to get them to seek the face of God? If you humble yourselves and seek my face, however it goes, I probably got it wrong anyway. But if you humble yourselves and you come on to me, I will heal your land. But our land is still not this land. And even if he does great things, that's wonderful. But he's healing the land of Jerusalem inside of our hearts. We are Israel. We are his people. We are the apple of his eye. Stop looking to lands and cities and destinations because they're all Babylon. There's no one place that's called Babylon. They're all Babylon. Because Babylon is a seven-headed beast that comes around the earth and it proclaims itself as God, but it's only a little God. Because our God is the big God. Big G, little G. So when are you going to get with the big G and stop trying to defeat the little G? Because he's already defeated. It spit everywhere. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. What did he say? Say all. All the earth. Not just heaven. His kingdom is not of this world. But he uses the kingdoms of this world to get us to come on to the kingdom of God. He uses the suffering. He uses the tribulation. He uses the, the evil. He says, I created. Let me just go there because you're not going to believe me. I'm just going to go there. You're not even going to believe me. Isaiah 45, 7. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do these things. I create disaster. I create light. I create darkness. And it looks like foolishness to you, but it's wisdom to me because I, out of darkness and out of light, will circumcise myself a bride that is without spot, without blemish, that will not. 7,000 prophets that have not bowed their knee to Baal. If there was no Baal, there would be no 7,000 prophets. Wake up, church. Wake up, church. Wake up. 
because this is the time to rejoice, not to moan and groan and worry about what's going to happen in the next four years. Guess what? We have 44 years. We have 144,000 that have not bowed their knee that will be saved and more multitudes, nations, a bride that will give birth to a son and it's a man child and it will be exalted above all the nations. It will have a strong mitre. It will have a, a, a staff over the nations, the seventh church. It will have Philadelphia, the seventh church. It will have a staff over the nations. That is your promise. If you be faithful till the end, I will give you a staff over the nations. You will cast out demons and you will heal the sick and you will drink any deadly thing. You will eat any deadly thing and it will not harm you. But it's, it's promised to the faithful. Go read it. And I was going to preach on the seven churches, and I might still do it. But six churches compromised, six churches dead, lukewarm, and they didn't even realize it. And God showed me, showed me he's speaking to those seven churches right now. Because those seven churches weren't just a destination. They were, God always is, a, he's an artist. He does shadows of things. And everything in the Old Testament was to be a shadow for us now. And even everything in the New Testament, everything happening now is even a shadow of things. The beast, the things, the, the seven-headed beast, all these things in the book of Revelation are even a shadow for now because it wasn't to come to pass when John was on the island, but it was to come to pass going forward. And, there was, and there's another book now. And we're the book. We're the living epistle read by men. Book of memory that will be commemorated in heaven about the works that we do. The works of the Holy Spirit. The works of Jesus Christ. They have not ceased because now they are in us and we will perform them. Greater works than Jesus. He even said it. If we're not zealous for this, we're not zealous for the house of God. And if the zeal for God's house is not eating you up, you don't even probably know him. Is it eating you up? That the presence of God is ceasing in most places. That even if there is a presence, it's not even the presence of God. It's the presence of Kondalini or another spirit. Does that bother you? If it doesn't, zeal has not eaten you up. We need to wake up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord, most high, is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. But he's only terrible to the terrible and he's good to the faithful and he's good to the righteous man and he's and the righteous man he lifts up every seven times it says a righteous man falls seven times but he gets back up that's because the lord picks him back up because his heart is righteous because the righteousness that he's seeking is the heart of david the one that will seek his faith from the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth that's the heart of righteousness because if we seek god he will make us righteous there is only one righteous one. Our righteousness is filthy rags. It's about what he completes in me and does in me that makes me righteous. You need to get filled. You need to stop trying to do do's and don'ts. And you need to get filled and baptized in Holy Spirit and fire. And you need to stop, not stop getting filled. Because everybody likes to get filled out of that one day. But then they stop and then they wonder, well, God, where have you gone? But he says it's not one day. It's continually filled with fire, fire in your bones. That's the fire in your bones that Jeremiah talks about. The uncontrollable fire, the Holy Spirit in fire. He shall subdue the people under us. Under us. He shall subdue. The king shall subdue the people under us. And it says to the, to the church of Philadelphia that I will bring the prodigals back to you. I will bring a mass exodus and they will come and they will kiss your feet. The ones who denied you, the ones who came against you, the other churches, the other tribes, they will come and they will bow. Not because of you, though, but because Christ has been exalted in you. And now they've come. The five foolish virgins have now come to the five wise. And they're coming now to buy oil from the wise. And it'll be in the last day when it's almost the 12th hour. But it is the 11th hour now. Is it going to be you that they're coming to buy oil? And you have to tell them, go buy your own. Because I'm not the Savior. He's the Savior. But I'm, he's using me. Now go to him. Is that going to be you? But everything happening now is so that we can get there. But we can't get there if it's all good and great and there's all... Because guess what? The greatest times for the church was when there was persecution. The greatest times for the church is when there was opposition. If there's no opposition, there will be no strong anointing. If the anointing's not strong, it's because we need more opposition. We need something to overcome. Even when they got to the promised land, they didn't stop taking over. They went city to city to city to city and took over every giant. And giants were their bread. And they kept overtaking until everything was taken for Jesus. And now everything, all the cities in us, are the places of our hearts that need to be taken. And Jesus will not stop because he's an all-consuming fire. And every single part of our heart and mind will be consumed by him.
He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under his feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he, whom he God, sing praises, sing praises unto our king, sing praises, sing praises, it says, sing praises because he's the Lord of the earth, sing praises because the nations are under his feet, sing praises because now the one that has everything under his feet is inside of you. And we are co-heirs with that one that has everything under his feet. Jesus Christ, the son, of, the son of Joseph, the son of Mary, he is now inside of us and he has all power. Do you get it? And repeat after me. For God is the king of all the earth. So don't look at me. Don't look at your brother and sister and say, oh, what has come upon the earth? Look at God and say, God, what is your plan? Say, God, what are you doing? Because I know the devil couldn't even go torment Job unless he got approval from God. He can't torment you or do anything to you, although one day he will, but it will be by the power given to the beast that torments, overcomes the saints. But how can, how's that, how can that be? How can God just let his people die like that? Well, guess what? When people died, when people were persecuted for Jesus, even Stephen, we glorify Jesus because we look at Stephen's life and we look at how he was persecuted and he was still looking on the Jesus and that story today still brings glory to God. Even their deaths of Peter, of Paul, all of them, they brought glory to Jesus Christ. And even Paul, even Peter, when it says, talks about when Jesus was telling about his, his time of dying, he said, you will be bound up when you are older. And, they were, and I forget exactly how it goes. They would put him to the stake, whatever. But he was even telling Peter, but if God, God's so powerful, God can have Peter avoid that time of dying. But God's God's just like Jesus had to go to the cross. He could not avoid dying because of uh, his death bring glory to God. If Jesus didn't die, we would not be here right now. If Peter didn't die, who knows? There's so, I mean, we look at, we, just looking at his story brings glory to God. But who knows the amounts of glory it's bringing to God. And who knows the amounts of glory. And we will be singing holy, holy, holy. But our holy, holy will not be intensified in heaven unless we go through persecution. Unless we are reviled. Because we will say there's no one like the Lord. The earth is terrible. But you are the great and terrible Lord that loves us. That has saved us. That has saved the remnant. Every, all these tribulations and trials... They get you to glory in him. He said, even Paul said that he had, he had, he was boat wrecked, shipwrecked, and he had a thorn in his flesh. But he said it kept him from pride. It kept him glorifying Jesus. It kept him being in awe of Christ because what Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient in your weakness. In other words, my power is sufficient in your weakness. But if his, when his power comes, that's when we glorify him, right? We don't just glorify. I swear, if we're glorifying just because someone tells us to, you're just faking it. But we glory because holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And we behold his presence. And we behold his holiness. And his power comes in the room. Look at the, the times that you've genuinely actually praised God. Because the religious church, they praise God for a blessing. But we praise God because we are blessed. We praise God because he's come down and he's filled us and he's continuing to fill us. If you have a lack of praise, if you have lack of thankfulness, you might have lack of him. And just because you get things, but God gives you things, but then there's his heart. He doesn't want us to just want his hand. He wants us to want his heart. And when we get his heart, we will sing praises to God because it will fill our heart. It will be like that thing where, that just that thing where it's, because everybody has that place inside of them where it just needs, something needs to be fulfilled and God's the only one that can fulfill that. And I tell you, when you get that little place inside of you fulfilled, you will sing praises unending. We need to be filled with God to give praise to God. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing, ho, sing ye praises with understanding. See, right now we're understanding Jesus as Lord. We're understanding what it, what it really means something because the king, if you look at the Old Testament, if you even look at the story of Ruth, we were uh, looking at the story of Ruth, me and Aaron last night, and the king, he, he was able to order things, unorder things. He was able to do this, make decrees and declares. He was able to do whatever he wanted. That's the king that we now have. And his king is not some small city like, they, like it was in the Old Testament. His king, his kingdom is us inside of us, but he also is king of the earth. 
He can decree, he can declare, he can bind, he can loose things, anything he wants on this earth. And now we are called to bind and loose with him. And when he speaks and he binds something, we speak and we bind it with him. We come in agreement. When two or more are gathered together, when us and Christ are gathered together, it shall be done. It says, if you and another and, and someone else, if two other, if you and, and another gather together in my name, you see, we're gathering together and we're declaring and decreeing things, and nothing's happening because it's not in his name. But to do it in his name is really to do it in his spirit because you can use his name too. But it's what when it's a desire of God. And it says you ask and you have not because you desire, you have lust in your heart. You ask amiss. But when we ask things and we come in agreement with things that God wants, that God desires, that God is doing, it happens. And God can make anything happen. He said he could turn rocks into Christians that will praise him. He can do anything. But he wants to come in agreement with a bride. He wants to come in agreement with someone that will carry it on his will because he finds joy in someone that will get a hold of him and someone that can execute his judgment. It says that we will even judge the earth, but we're not going to judge the earth on our own merit. We're judging the earth based on the judgment of God. See how it all comes from God. He, he's looking for a bride. And what does a bride do to her husband? She carries out the will of her husband. She serves her husband. She's one with her husband. Where her husband goes, she goes. What her husband says, she's in agreement with. And that's what it looks like in the kingdom of God, the king of the kingdom. And we will have dominion and power with the kingdom of God. And we will have a day where, there will be, where, where we will reign over the earth. These are, this is our inheritance. But everything he's doing now is also we can get to that time. The princes of the people are gathered together. Even the people of God, of, of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. The shields of the earth belong to God. What does that mean? The protection. Those who hide themselves in the shadow of the Almighty, I will hide them from the evil one. I will hide them in my city and he will not find them. Psalms 91, go look it up. The shields of the earth are his. He protects what he wants to protect. He keeps what he wants to keep. He executes judgment on what he wants to execute judgment. If, something, if he wants something to die, just like when he was with uh, uh, Jonah, he makes the tree die. If he wants the tree to live, he'll make the tree live. If the tree's evil, if the tree's good, it doesn't matter because everything he does is for his glory. And whether that thing is evil, it will make something good of God. He is moving. Even the sins, even the things, even the shortcomings, even the sufferings, they're moving us and they're pushing us to God. So don't, don't, don't. Paul always glorified God in his infirmities. We, don't, we haven't even got there yet. Let alone know that everything happening in the world is just for, don't even realize, just let me say this again. Everything happening in the world is just for you. Do you know that? But because it doesn't look like what we want it to look like, it says, I will use the foolish things to confound the wise. And the wise call, and, and the wise of this world calls the, call the wisdom of God foolish. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty crazy. He doesn't, an antichrist and a beast. And why would he use that for his glory? How does that give glory to him? Well, guess what? It glorifies Christ. He said, my kingdom is not this world. So if we're, he's trying to get, makes, he's trying to form Christ in us. Everything that he does, if his kingdom was of this world, he would, there would be none of that. But like he said, his kingdom is not of this world. So if his kingdom is inside of us now, he's trying to form Christ in us. He's trying to get the kingdom exalted inside of his people. But we have to go through tribulation and trials to get there. Tribulations and trials produce character. It says it produces patience. And then it, whatever that, that scripture is, there's actually two of them. One says patience, one says character on the patience and patience on the hope. But how are we ever going to get there? It says tribulation and trials produce this. You're, 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 you're oh, and it's, I think it maybe it says experience. I don't got all of it in front of me. But all these things, they, obviously God made it this way that suffering and tribulations and trials would get us to have hope in Him. It would, it, would, it would get us to be experienced in Him, that we would be salted in Him, that we would know Him more. Because you, you don't just know a person in one day and say, hey, how you doing? And say to someone else, I know that guy. No, you're just maybe an acquaintance. You just said hi. But it's over time. It's through. It says a brother. And we are, remember, we're called to be the brother of Christ now because he says he's the first of many brethren. And it says we are co-heirs with Christ. So it says a brother in Psalms, a brother is born out of adversity. We are born into to being Jesus' brother and to being, to being co-heirs with him out of adversity. 
if anybody's willing to be his disciple, they must suffer with Christ. Or it says it backwards. It says, if anybody's willing to suffer with Christ, they must be, if anybody's willing to suffer, uh, if anybody wants to be his disciple, they must be willing to suffer with Christ. And we reject suffering all the time. We, we, we run away from it. We, we agi get agitated at it. But it's the very thing that's bringing me to God. Even when I'm rebuked, even when the enemy comes. And you know what God told me about the enemy? He said, you know what the enemy is? He's my little humbling tool. It's when you need to go in the woodshed and you need to be refined again. There's the enemy. Yeah. What did the enemy do to Job? It got him to, to learn forgiveness. He forgave his, the, the guys. And it said once, once Job forgave his friends, God restored everything. But how would he ever learn to forgive if he never had to go through an offense or an unforgiveness? How will we ever learn to have a life if we don't have death? How will we ever learn to be in the spirit if we don't have a flesh? How we ever learn? He says, I create the darkness. I create the light. It's to bring glory to me in you. That you would glorify me. That I, you would call me holy, holy. God doesn't want, he can make us, he can make robots to call him holy and, and, and glory. But he wants willing vessels to do it. But the willing vessels have to understand that out there, that the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the world has nothing for me. And he has everything for me. But it's, it's, through, the, it's through the darkness that we get to see the light. When the darkness is darker, when it gets darker out there, the light will be brighter. Don't get mad at that it's getting darker. Oh my God, it's getting darker. Well, guess what? The anointing is about to explode on you. It's about to get lighter for you. Maybe not out there. Because eventually, when he gets, when he has, in the millennial reign, that's when he says he will come on the earth and all the, whatever. He'll, however, I'm not even going to get into that because I don't know even much about it, to be honest with you. I just know things about it, but not, I haven't got... See, everybody's preaching things, even they're even preaching the millennial reign, but they don't even understand what they're even talking about. I don't talk about things that I don't understand. He gives understanding to those who seek understanding, but if he doesn't give me the understanding, it's for a purpose. And how will I ever get understanding from him if I don't, if I don't have the choice to either understand in my own way or, under, or get understanding from him? He gives us a choice so that we would choose him and we would choose him forever. This is how we. This is how we're going to be getting. We're going to be have ever everlasting praises inside of us. Everlasting glorification of Christ is when we realize that everything around us is for us. Because it says God uses everything for the good of those who love Him and are called by His name. What is everything? Say everything. 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 So there's nothing that's excluded from everything, right? He's using everything. When you see, when you get rebuked, when you mess up. Whatever, I, you know what? God can keep you from sin. He can keep you from anything he wants. But, there's, but he's doing, he's, I'm not saying you have your own choice to do, the, the, to do these things. But when we look at the Bible and we see his version of holiness and righteousness and we're not walking with it, what does it get us to do? It gets us to get on our knees and seek his face. We're not doing something right. Legalist, the legalist all the time, I bet, you, I bet you every legalist you know, they say they're free from sin and they say they're not sinning at all or whatever. I, I know we're supposed to be free from sin. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the legalist, they're saying they have no sin. Meanwhile, I bet you every, all the money I got, there is a sin there. I bet you there is something there. But they're just, it's, it's a high, legalism, it gets you high-minded because you, what is legalism? It's not just the law though. It's actually people that make up their own law too. Well, if you, if you got to do it like this and you got to do it like this and it needs to be the color red and you need to wear this and you need to wear that and you need to do that, that's legalism. People either living by the law of old because the law is supposed to be written on our hearts, but we don't. We live by the Spirit, and He makes the law fulfilled in our hearts. It's it's different. There's a difference. It's like here's the law, and I try to follow it, but it says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So if I want this letter to be fulfilled in me, I have to go to the Spirit. So it says here's your new law: that live by the Spirit of God. That by the Spirit, it's it, Paul actually says it like this: live by the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So when people say there is no more law, they're liars because he said, now here's a new law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Because when I eat the tree of life, when I eat from the Holy Spirit, he transforms me. There's no striving. It says not by bodily exercise. Everybody thinks the bodily exercise is just working out. No, you know, bodily exercise process is little, so I'm working out, whatever. No, he's saying bodily exercise, like to strive not to do, to strive to do. He will come in you and he will give you rest that he would do it. But we have to submit. We have to seek. What does it take to actually rest? It doesn't just take just sitting there and waiting for him. It takes seeking him. Seek. 
it's, we, we seek Him, but why do some of us not get the fish that He promised, but they get a stone instead? I will, if you seek me, will I, will, will I not give you a fish? But why do some end up with stones? Because they're not seeking Him. We will get the fish. We will be, because uh, we right, we're fishers of men. We will get the body of Christ. We will get our soul saved. This fish right here, it will get, it will be renewed when I seek Him with no agenda, with no intention, but Him. Him and Him alone is why I seek Him. Ephesians 1.20 through 21, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in, the, in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He has set him above all authority, power, and dominion on earth and heaven. But he's bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He's not but he's not trying to necessarily, not yet, at least until the millennial reign, but he's not trying to make the earth holy. He's trying to make his people on earth holy. He's trying to set apart, apart his people on earth that heaven would dwell. It says that we, it calls us heavenly vessels on earth as it is in heaven. But when he said, pray this prayer, pray this for yourself. What prayer should we pray? On earth as it is in heaven. He dwells in heaven, you dwell on earth, but this is the exchange he wants to do between you and him. It's not about buildings. And I heard somebody preach one time that if we expand, somebody in another church, if we expand this building, the glory will get greater. God is not bound by buildings. It's, it's the people, it's the, the heavenly vessels that, that, that they allow God in them that increases the glory. If we want this to be the glory room, it's you that has to get the glory in you. But He is the hope of glory. So we need to go to Him and He fills us. But He's not filling a room. The room doesn't, isn't holy. It's, it's the holiness inside of you. People, I mean, people can come in and God can touch them or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it's not necessarily the room. It's, it's, it's inside of His vessels. And He releases glory. He releases power. But we don't go to a place. They said, our father, she said, the woman at the well said to Jesus, but our fathers worship at this place. But he said, but now they will, Jesus said, now they will worship me in spirit and in truth. Now I will, they will it will be in a person and not a place. But why, we keep, why do we keep going to Jerusalem and Israel to get touched by God when God is right here? Yep. When he's inside of you. And God may take, I'm not saying, if God leads you to Jerusalem or Israel or whatever, and you go on a trip or whatever, and he touches you, that's fine. But it was his divine purpose. It's not go to the place and then get touched anybody. Because there's people that go to Jerusalem all the time. They don't get touched. There's rabbis there all the time and they're still doing the same thing. And some, get, some God changes, some turns from rabbis into worshiping the rabbi, Jesus Christ, the teacher of all. But some don't. It's about the will of God. He can fill whoever, like Shane said, he can fill whoever he wants with the Holy Ghost. It's not bound by say this or do this. It says that the eyes of the Lord uh, uh, search to and fro among the whole earth. What is it searching for? A soul. It's searching for a fish, not a dead one, an alive one that is willing to pass from death to life. A, a willing soul. Everything, every time God talked in the Old Testament to the Israelites, it was always, he was always saying, I wanna, I'm looking for the, a willing one. If you be willing. If you be willing. And I know when I found Jesus, I said, if God, if you're real, I'll serve you. If you're not, I'm going to do what I want. I was willing to serve Him. We're willing, and there's people that don't know they're willing, and they get saved out of nowhere, and they're like, whoa, why does God save him instead of me? Well, why did God say that one? Well, He found something in them. All right, it says, it says he, he, and he, and he knows, and He knows what happens. He knows what's going to happen when He fills you, if you're going to actually follow Him or not. He knew that Paul, when he would, he knew what was going to happen. He knows the end before the beginning. He knew that when he touched Paul and he showed up to Paul, on the road to Damascus, he knew that Paul would serve him. Because Paul just, he was, Paul was killing Christians. He was doing bad things. Murdering. I wonder how many he murdered. But it was all forgiven because God knew something that when Paul would, when God, he would appear to Paul, Paul would serve him and worship him and follow him. God knows who's going to follow him and not going to follow him. And, and God, listen, God does whatever he wants. He can touch somebody for a, a, a minute, for one day, but then they may not follow him for the rest of the days. 
But what if it's so on judgment day, they can't say, well, you didn't touch me, God. Oh, I touched you on this day, at this hour, and this minute, but you didn't follow me. He will, he will make sure the wicked have no excuse. And really, the wicked is not just the people that do bad works. It's the, really the people who have unbelief, who didn't choose to follow him and walk in his way. Because they, don't have, they, they can be delivered from all their wicked works and no longer do it if they just do this one thing, if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, mind, and soul, and that they would follow him and, and love the truth unto the end. That's it. But God knows, God's doing whatever he wants. And we, but we always have this, this thing, like he has to do it this way and that way, and you have to be in this position. If you fall forward, it's the Holy Spirit. If you fall back, it's not the Holy Spirit. This is all craziness. We know by this, if we know by the Spirit who is of the Spirit, if we know by the Spirit that we are, that we are His child, that's what the Bible says, we, you will know that you are of me or you are a son because it will bear witness by the Spirit. So if we have to know that one simple fact, the fact that we should know from the beginning, the one thing that we are a child of God now, and we have to know everything through the Spirit that bears witness. And he says, I give you a spirit of, there's the nine gifts the, the, and all the, on all the bells and whistles. He gives you a spirit of discernment. By discernment, we know who is of God and who's not of God. We know by discernment, we know what's truth and what's lies. And there's times where the enemy will use truth to lie. There's the times where the enemy will use truth with the wrong agenda. There's times where God will use whoever he wants or whatever he wants. Like somebody in, in, in leadership I'm not even going to, like I said, I'm not going to go there today. Somebody in a big office, and they may not even be saved. But he uses it, whatever, whatever he wants. It says God uses vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. He can, but but it's, what is it all for? For his glory. Even the vessels of dishonor bring glory to God, the one who is honorable above all, but even brings glory to Christ inside of the, of the honorable. You. Even it talks about the wailing woman, and I believe the wailing woman in Revelation that gives birth to the man-child, it is the apostolic church because it says there's 12, 12 stars around her head. 12 stands for the apostolic. But it says that she gives birth and there's pains to a man-child. I believe that's the last generation of believers that the apostolic church is giving birth to. We are this, The apostolic movement, everybody that's a part of it, that, that's under real apostles and prophets, they right now are giving birth to a last generation of believers that will be unspotted from the world, that will be doing pure religion, that will go on to the widow, that will go on to the orphan, and that will be unspotted from the world. 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. They're giving birth to this because it's not out there right now like it should be. He says, I will raise up a church that without spot or wrinkle that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But why are the gates of hell prevailing against most of the church? Because God is birthing the real church. He says, I will show, he says in Isaiah, I think, don't get me, don't, don't, don't fact check me here. We have enough fact checkers out there. He says in Isaiah, or I think it's Jeremiah, like I said, don't fact check. I will show the house to the house. I will show the harlot to the bride. I will show the one that calls themselves of God to the ones that are really of God. And not only will I show you, but I will show the world who is of God and who is not of God. And God is bringing a dividing line right now. He's, he's the line right that's in the middle that divides us, that serve Baal to serve God. There will be no, it will be clear. The line is being drawn right now and it's getting thicker and thicker and thicker and all will see it. And even people will know that they are not serving God. They will know that they're not of God and they will call themselves Christian and people will repent and some won't. God wills that all will be saved, but he's, he knows the best thing that would save us all by our choice, not by his will alone. He looks for the will of man to give in to the will of God. He doesn't just save anybody he wants. He gives in to who is willing to be. Anybody that calls out on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. Not, didn't say Muhammad, didn't say this one, Buddha, didn't say that one. It said all who call out in the name of Jesus. Revelation 17.4, and we talked about this before, but I want to make it clear. I want you to see in the word, because there will be a last day's persecution. They will come against us. They will subdue you. They will, and they're already doing it. There's already, the, uh, you, if you know what the bear is, what the bear symbolizes, it's, it's already here. There's going to be a point where there's no more liberty in this nation anymore. It's already happening. It's already in other nations. There's people already underground. Get Hello, wake up. There's people already underground. They're in China underground 
And if we think we're going to make this land great again and we're never going to be on the ground, guess what? It will, there will be a day. You won't be shouting politics and, 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 hallel and hallelujah to the land anymore. It will be the church of Jesus Christ. God will make sure that the church no longer gloats in the land and that they gloat in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's God is, honestly, I feel God's heart is honestly saddened about the focus that the church has gotten on America. Yes. So focused on it, so that, they have fo that, that they're losing sight of Him. Really, if you think about it. You've, everybody hears things, everybody's on, doing, you know, on media sites or not, or hear things from other people, but everything is America this, America that, America that, but where's Jesus? Amen. Where is he in all this? And now look at all those people, they're all, <clears throat> the air is sucked out of them. I thought it was supposed to be this way. I thought it was supposed to be that way. But guess what, church, it wasn't about your land, it was about me and you, the bride and the bridegroom. The apple of my eye. You. I'm not trying to make the land great. I'm trying to make you great in me. I'm trying to form the image of God. I'm trying to turn you into Christ here on earth. Now you are going to be the body of Christ. He was the body of Christ, but now through many bodies, he's here to make us the body of Christ. 33 years of raising up, and that's a spiritual number. And when we get to that 33 in the spirit, it will be time for the greatest manifestation of the sons of God. It says the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. There will be power, there will be signs and wonders like there never was before. It says the latter will be greater than the former. If you thought the book of Acts was something, guess what? It's going to be something coming soon. We should be excited. Why are we not excited? Because we're excited about a land, we're excited about nations, and not about the nations of kindreds of souls that are going to be saved. Real souls, not souls that just say Jesus is Lord, but then they backstab him later and they become a Judas to him. No, real souls that actually follow him, that are actually faithful, that when they say Jesus is Lord, it's out of the heart of love for God. That actually, sons that actually have the heart of their father, sons that actually think like they're God and know they're God. Doesn't matter if you do signs and wonders because it says, because they, they do signs, they cast out demons, they heal the sick, but they don't know me. God's not just looking for a church either that is going to just do signs and wonders and their signs and wonders will be great. But he's looking for a church that actually knows him and speaks from his heart. Everything they speak is from his heart. Everything they speak is the very thing he's speaking. Not speaking on their own authority, not speaking truth out of the spirit, but speaking truth in spirit in season. You want to speak in season? Speak what the spirit is saying. That's why it says, who, the, he who has ear to hear. You want to speak what God's saying? Hear. Stop coming up with your own things. Stop hearing your own self-talk. Stop hearing other people talk and hear what does say at the Spirit of God. And then when you hear your brother or sister talk that's actually in Christ, you will come in agreement because he said it to you too. Yeah, right. This is how he makes us one. The mind, will, and heart of God are all in agreement when we're in agreement with him, with the, with the, mind, with the, with the Spirit of God. Make us one. Unity of the faith. But what is our faith? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we're in the word of God, when we're under and when our mindsets are, are washed by the word of God, the fuller soap, we become one because we think the same. It says they were in the book of Acts, they were on one accord, one mind, one spirit. It wasn't just one spirit and that's it. It wasn't just one accord and that's it. It was one mind, one spirit, one accord. Their heart, their mind and their soul was all in agreement with God and they were in agreement with each other because they were in agreement with God. This is how we get unity in the church. Not by just gathering at a building. Not just by saying, hey, how you doing? Let's do this service and get on with it. No. We think the same. We have the same heart. And we have the same spirit speaking the same things. That's unity. And people cause disunity when they bring anything that opposes God. It says, the, the, uh, it says that the carnal mind is em at enmity with the, with the spirit. So when we bring carnal things from the carnal mind into the church of Christ, and it's against the spirit, it's division. Division is not when, oh, well, you know, he's preaching too much truth and he's getting everybody angry. No, division is when, and, and division can come in two ways. People get offended. It says, do not be offended when I come. It says, offense will come, but do not, but worse is the one that it comes through. But it also says, who is the one that causes division among you? It's the one that has false doctrine. That's what Peter said, I think, or Paul, one of them. It's the one who brings in teachings, false teachings, because they get us, well, we can't be in disagreement. It's okay to dis agree to disagree. Well, eventually it won't be because God's making sure that the gates of hell do not prevail against the church. But if we're thinking like Satan, he still will prevail. And you are the church. We are the church. So when 
Satan gets in when he starts getting me to think carnal. Satan gets in when he gets me to get into emotions. He's, getting, he's prevailing in the church. So for us to get to that place where the gates of hell will not prevail against us, we have to have our mind and our heart unspotted from carnality completely. And that's why it says the apostles and prophets, the fivefold ministry are here for the raising up of the saints to get us to think like Christ, to get us to move like Christ, to get us in one accord, one spirit. For the raising up of the saints. It's not just we sang hallelujah and we, got, and we said the prayer one day and now we're together. No, it's we're continuing to be one. Make us one. He said, Jesus said, make us one, Father, as you, as you and me are one. Make them one with me. Make the, and when they're one with me, they will be one with you. But I am now, have come. He's, Jesus told his disciples before he went back up to heaven, he said, I will come back to you. But he wasn't just talking about in the clouds. He was also talking about in his, by the Spirit of God. Because who's, what spirit was Jesus operating from? By the spirit of God. So his spirit man, it says the inner man of a being is his spirit. So his spirit was here. He came back in greater form as well. When we preached in Brazil, I told everybody, I said, why are you, you're, you're, yes, that's great. You're looking to the, to the great and terrible day of the Lord. You're looking for him to come back in the clouds, but you're missing the coming of Christ right now in you. You're missing the move of the Holy Spirit right now. He's here already. And he's here in, in, in great form right now than he was with the disciples. Because when he was with the disciples, although he was there in the flesh and he was teaching them in the flesh, and they had bad understanding of him. You can't go to that cross. Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. But if he had the Holy Spirit, he would have known that Jesus was supposed to die on that cross. Yeah. You will know when it's time for your brother to die because now you have the Spirit of God in you. And he will bear witness to the things of God. And it says that the Spirit of God will come onto you and he will only hear what, what the will of the Father is and he will speak it. He is the spirit of truth. He speaks all truth for your life and godliness in you. What you're supposed to be doing and saying right now and how you're supposed to be walking straight in the way of the Lord. For holiness, for righteousness, and for direction. He says that he will direct you on all paths. Like I said, Revelation 17, we talked about it, but I wanted to let you see it. They won't just make war on the saints because they just, they hate Christians or they're just going to do it. God will allow them to do it. Jesus is king, but he's getting glory about, he's getting glory out of us, our persecution. He's getting glory, and even people will see, and I've, God's shown me a long time ago that even people will see how the, the media and all the seven uh, heads of the beast will come against the saints really hard, and people will even be saved because they will be like, why is this, why are they so after them? What's, what do they got? And then they'll see us and they'll see the signs and wonders. They'll see the last day great awakening church inside of us. And even if it's on the ground, they'll see how powerful it is and they'll want to be saved too. Look at the glory that's bringing. Saints dying, but people are starting to die to their flesh now. People dying in the flesh, but they will sing, holy, holy is the Lord in the next moment. In the twinkling of an eye, they will be brought up with the Lord Jesus Christ. They will, be, they will appear before him. In the twinkling of an eye. And maybe your death won't hurt. Why, we, why, do we, why do we care about death? Because to die is to gain. The Bible, see, all these things the Bible says is too extravagant for us. We need to understand why he's saying to die is to gain. But we fear death so much and we're worried about death so much. We're worried about ISIS. We're worried about this. We're worried about that. But it's to gain. So you want to gain, right, in, in the kingdom of God? Don't you want to be in that place where, and I, and I, I don't, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not talking about, I know, I'm the one that will tell you the most. I want to be here because people say, oh, Lord, just take me now. But I'm like, no, 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 I want to go. Trust me, I want to go, but I want to see God move on this earth in his people. Not on the kingdoms of the earth, but I want to see God move in his people. But, don't, what, but how great is it that you won't have to suffer anymore when you, when you come to meet, it, meet him? When in the twinkling of an eye, you're changed and, you, and, you, and you're at his throne and you're at his feet. And no longer you have to push against the flesh. You have to strive against this. But guess what? All those pushings against the flesh and all those things you had to overcome, now you're going to really say, holy, holy is the lamb in front of his face. But if there was none of that evil, you would, you would just be saying, okay, okay, what are you? What is this being in front of me? But what, is, what has brought you to glory in him? The tribulations, the trials, the, hard, the hardships. Thank you, Lord. I finally say thank you, Father. I tell you what, one of the most thankful people will be the one that died on their deathbed, that they were actually got the chance to be saved. That they lived all that life of hell in that last moment they got saved. They will be so thankful. But even more will the refined bride that comes out of the wilderness. It said that the, the, the wailing woman, she came out of the wilderness. She was giving, so there was pains and grumblings and she gave birth to a man child. There was pain. 
she had to do to get to that place. There's going to be pain that we're going to have to go through to get to that, that latter day reign. And it's happening even now. We're already going through the pains and sufferings of this world, the temptations, the thorns that come to try to hurt our flesh, the cares of this life, the worries of this world, the fowler that comes up to bring the word. The, anybody says, I rebuke those who I love. And even re his rebuke is love. I'm not saying I've gotten there. Trust me, we need to all get there. But his rebuke is love. Even the hard things of, the, of God are for the good things of God in you. Stop rejecting him. All things for the good of those who love God and are called by his name. Do you really believe that? Some of us need to go home and we need to study that scripture and we need to ask God to make it flesh in us because you won't be pushing back and resisting the Lord anymore. You will be embracing everything like, wax, like a wax candle. It burns because the dead, of, the dead flesh, the dead things of the earth, the plants, the, the, the animals, they actually make wax. And the deadness of our flesh will, actually, flesh will actually get us to become candles unto the Lord so that we can burn for him. You want, it, you want the fire of God and you're crying about your flesh? Well, let it, let, it be, let it make you the wailing woman. Let it make you the wailing woman that gives birth unto the last generation church. Let it bring you and, and leave you at the throne. It says that there shall be weeping between the porch and the altar. We want to get to the altar, but we're on the porch still. But it says the weeping shall fill the gap. The brokenness, the, 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 the things that come in this life, they humble us. They make us like a child again. They make us, they bring us to a low state so that it says that he will lift up the humble. But those who lift themselves up, he will humble. And even the ones, even the prideful ones that he has to humble, he's doing it for a good thing so that they would finally become humble and be lifted up by him. God wants to lift you up because when he lifts you up, he gets glory. But don't lift yourself up because then you're missing out on, the, on greater glory. Greater glory is this. They will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings and those with him. That's not the one I was talking about, though. But see how it says right here. And those with him. For he is, for, it, for we will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who, those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And there will be a time where he overcomes them. There will be a time where they overcome you. But there will be a time where we will live forever and there will be no more darkness, there will be no e evil, and there will be hell, death, and the grave will be casted into the lake of fire. Let me find that other one real quick. Revelation 13 through 7. And it's talking about this big beast that comes out of the water. We've heard it before. And it gives the power, the dragon gives power onto it. And verse 7 says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints to overcome them. Now, if Jesus is really king and, and really Lord of lords, why isn't he saving his people? Because it was given power unto him. Like I said, Satan's power is not even his own power. It's, it's still the power that he had. It says that there is no power on this earth except the power of God. But he's just using manipulation and lies to get power, too. But he can't even have power because, like I said, he even had to go to Job to even see if he can even buffet him. He took everything away from Job. He took his house. He took his kids. He killed everything he had, spiritual and physical. And it was allowed by God. But like I said, what did it do to Job? It brought him onto greater glory in Christ. It left him in a, in a greater state at another level. You want to go to another level? Well, guess what? There might be some tribulation and trials coming your way. There might be some temptation. But it even says, even in temptation, that God will give you a way out in the midst of your temptation. So what do I have to do to find the way out in the midst of my temptation? I have to go to God. So really, that temptation is doing a good thing in me because it's getting me to go to God. It's getting me to go to Him. Everything is getting me to go to Him. Even if it's bad. We can't submit to the bad. We can't submit to the sin. I'm not saying go sin so that grace may abound more, but that go to grace that sin may no longer abound. I'm not talking about greasy grace either. Because when he said, by grace through faith, he was talking about, by my power. Remember, we preached that one. The grace. He wasn't talking about, by my unrelenting mercy. It is by his mercy, but now, but because of his mercy, we get his power. Now, because of his mercy, he can bring resurrection power into our dead bodies. Into our spirits that were once cast out and dead, separated from the garden of evil. But now we've been born again. Born again meaning back into that place of the garden where we are one with God now again. Where the, now we can be around the tree of life. And now we're in the garden now in our spirit man. We have the tree of life here, the carnal mind. And we have the, oh sorry, the tree of life here, the spirit of God. And we have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil here, the carnal mind. And here we are back in the garden again. 
You want to, everybody says, oh, if I was in the garden, I wouldn't choose sin. I would, I would listen to God. Well, guess what? You're in the garden now, boy. Go choose the carnal mind. You're doing it again. You're doing, guess what? You're worse than Adam and Eve. Because you're doing it again and again and again. They did it once and they got casted out. Thank the Lord that he has mercy on you that he's letting you drink the blood and come back and be allowed back. You're in the garden again. Welcome. Welcome everybody to the garden of Eden. It's in your hearts and minds. And you get to choose life and godliness or death without resurrection. Death and Hades. Which one do you choose? And just like Adam had authority, at the end of the day, he ended up having authority to be able to name the animals, and we will have the authority to be given a new name, and we will, we will, we will bring judgment to the earth. We will speak things, and we're even speaking things now that are giving life. Even as I speak right now, and even as you speak going forward, you're giving life. You're raising the dead. Yes. And, you're, and you're, you're healing the lepers. You're healing the sick, even as the spiritual. How about the spiritually sick? I know we're going to be healing people physically, but how about the spiritual ones? that are sick with depression, that are sick with anxiety, that are sick because of all this stuff going on, because they, they're, they're, people want to be, have a spirit of suicide on them now. But who is going to be, bring the day of the Lord? Who is going to bring salvation to them? It's you. It's Christ in you. But you have to go out there and you have to pull in the lost sheep of Israel. You have to go out there, the lost sheep, because God already sees who his sheep are going to be. And he's saying they're lost. They just need to find me now. All the lost that will be saved are his lost sheep. He already calls them sheep. He already knew you before you were born. He needed you in your mother's womb. He knew if you were going to be a vessel of honor or dishonor because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He decided who was going to be who and what was going to be what, but you decided what you were going to do, and now he's going to decide what he's going to do based on what you do. See, he doesn't come and invade our free will and do things for us. He does things, and then he sees how you react, and then you do things, and he, makes, and he does things. You make choices, and then God makes choices. But choose God, and he will choose you. Every time. Not just the one day. Choose him every day. In every situation. I'm choosing God when I'm giving, <coughs> when I'm choosing faith over fear. I'm choosing God when I'm clinging on to the word of God and not the lies of Satan that keep trying to buffet my mind. I'm choosing God when I decide to walk in holiness and righteousness rather than the way of the wicked. I'm choosing God even right now to be up here and speak to you. But I'm not just choosing God when I say, Jesus, yes, Jesus is my Lord. Oh, what? I'm, I'm Joe Christ. Oh, that's not going to get you into heaven. You need to do it. He says, <laughs> he says that your works will, will be brought before the judgment. Works, and will your works be burned by fire? Or will your works stand? Because are they spirit? Are they heavenly? He says, because of their works, even in the book of Revelation, because of the workers of inequity, the ones that didn't know him. They were a worker of inequity because they didn't know God. That's what God sees as, as inequity. Because it, it's, they said that Jesus was calling himself equal to God when he said he was the son of God. And we are workers of inequity because in equity, we are supposed to be in that same place, that equalness with God in the sense of that we're his sons. Not equal, that we're God, but we're in inequity because we're not in equalness with him. We're not one with him. He doesn't see just equity as, he calls that wickedness. But what he sees as inequity is unbelief. Right. What he sees as inequity is he sees that you, don't, that you don't know me and you don't care to know me. And you don't want to know me. Some people, they don't even realize they don't even want to know God. And something in them, because it says that by the things of this earth and the things that God does on this earth, the unbelievers will be guilty because they, it has been revealed to them to some shape or form that God is real. And they will have no excuse. People say, well, how about the people in Africa? And how about the people in uh, 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 South America or the poor countries that they don't have, you know, um, they don't know. They don't, they, nobody preached to them. But it says God will show the wicked. He will show all of them in some way, shape, or form. And we even have Muslims right now, and it's been happening. They're getting dreams about Christ, and Christ is literally appearing to them. And he's saying, here I am. And some of them are saying, here I am, Lord, send me. And some are saying, uh, I'm good. And I, and, if, and I don't know, God's going to decide who gets, who, God's going to decide the judgment. You can't just tell somebody they're not going because this didn't happen or that didn't happen. God's going to decide who, but the Bible says what it says. It says that he makes known every, all things. And he will make it known to you right now what you need to be doing right and what you need to be doing wrong. It says it's sin when you know it's sin and you still do it. See, there's some sins that you do 
that I, it may not be sin for me, but it may be sin for you. And the opposite is the same because God may have told you to go sit over there and you didn't, but he didn't tell me to sit over there. God may have not told you to sit over there, but he told me to sit over there and it's sin for me, but not for you. Now there's obvious sins where adultery, all those, four, we know that. I'm talking about there's things now because now there's, you have, we have 12 commandments, but really, what does the first commandment say? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So it says, the ones who, who love me will obey me. Obedience in the kingdom of God is love. So when I'm not obeying him, I'm actually breaking the first commandment. He may command me to go over there or say this or say that, and if I don't obey it, I'm breaking the first commandment. If I have an offense with my brother, I'm breaking the second commandment. It says all of the law will ride on these two. And there was thousands and thousands of laws. You could not complete it if you go back in the Old Testament and try to do it. But it says all of the law hangs out in these one, two, love. Not just loving your, the one next to you. Loving God because he is love. And when I love him, love fills me to fill them with love. He loves, I love him. He fills me with him. He is love. He is love itself. And I love them because love is in me now. I can't obey the second commandment unless I obey the first commandment. Because when I'm really, people say, well, you can obey the first command, but not obey the second command, but not really. Because it says, forgive your brother. And if I'm not obeying the word, I'm really not obeying the first commandment too. So when you're really, if you're obeying the first command, you're going to do the second one. Because this is what love does. It forgives. It, 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 it suffers, long suffers with its, with its brother or sister. Jesus is king, but is he king in your heart? Is the word the king of your mind, because if not, he's not king in your life. He will still be king of the kingdom. He will still be the king over the whole earth. But if he is not king in your heart, then you will. Then everybody that's not that doesn't make Jesus the king of their heart, they will face wrath. But it's today, here today, when we choose him, when we when we go to him, we're saying, Jesus, you're the king. A king decides things. A king makes decrees and declares. A king says, go here and go there. It sends its servants out. And just like Esther, she went. She she was being. Uh, dressed with all the other brides and they were all seeing who was going to be the bride and that's what's happening here that's what's happening in his church everybody is being dressed to, to see who can please the king and if the king be pleased what you say out of your mouth it will be done that's what, that's what Esther said if, the, if you be pleased then it shall be done and whatever you say king I shall, it shall be my good pleasure to do it that's what he's looking for the Lord of your life. Is he really the Lord of your life or you're just calling him Lord? Because the Lord tells servants to do something. And I'm making him the Lord of my life every time I obey him. And he's really my savior when I let him save me from my problems and I stop, and I stop resisting him. He's my savior every day because there's things that are constantly trying to buffet me. There's the enemy always there trying to give me lies. There's always anxiety and fear. There's always things trying to come at me. But I go to him, the shield of faith, and he saves me. He's not just my savior on that one day. He's saving me every day. And I call out him, on him every day. That's going to break some paradigms here. Because people think they can only be saved on one day. And it's all, one saved, always saved. But it's those who endure till the end. Last scripture and then we'll close. Everybody can stand up. Daniel 2.21. I'm going to go through three real quick. And it's, I'm going to be fast about it. Daniel 2.21, he changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings. He removeth kings. Anybody that's a king out there right now, he can remove them in a second if he wants. And he may not remove them because what does it say? It says in Romans 13, I'm going to go real quick. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And obviously we know that one day the rulers will persecute us and whatever. And, and when they tell us not to preach anymore, we know that, that, we, that we will... Have to obey the Holy Spirit, but in general, this actually this says right here. Even that's that's this is how great that's is how much Jesus is King and how much He is ruler over the earth because it says here. Where is it? For there is no look. I even said this one before. Let every soul be subject unto higher powers. For there is no power but of God. Remember Satan's power. He doesn't even have power unless it was God. The gifts and callings are revocable. The powers that be ordained of God. They are, the, these governmental powers are ordained by God. This is the Bible I'm reading. Like I said, I'm not saying it says submit, but then there's a time you, you, you got to do what you got to do to please the Holy Spirit. Because it even, there even talks about it in the book of Revelation. 
For rulers are not a terror to girls, but to evil. But wilt thou not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and that shall have praise of the same. For he is a minister. It even calls rulers and kings and priests, or, or not priests, but kings and rulers and presidents, whatever, ministers of God. What are they ministering? They're not just actually ministering, although it says that, they're not just actually ministering judgment on crime, you know, on crime, on people, because what are they doing now in the land? Now they're releasing criminals out of jail. They're doing all these things. So the law is unjust. But they're also ministering the, what God's will is. Even Pharaoh, God turned his heart. After, after plagues, after plague, after plague, after plague. And it said that, and then Moses came to speak to him. But God hardened Pharaoh's heart that he would not listen. If God didn't harden his heart, maybe Pharaoh would have let them stay in Egypt and let it all be well or let them leave Egypt, whatever. But he wanted it done his way because at the end of the day, it was bringing glory to God. Yep. At the end of the day, it was glorifying God in the Israelites. So God hardened his heart. He can turn hearts and, and he can turn any heart he wants, whether for, for God or not for God. But whether it is not for God or for God, it, it will be for God at the end of the day because it will get us unto God. Don't ever, don't ever from now on, every four years, don't stop fretting. Every, whatever, I don't know what country people live in, whatever, we need to stop worrying about that because his kingdom's not of this world. It's, it's just another head of the beast. But the head of the beast is getting the bride ready. The devil is even his tool to get us ready. Not saying you give in to the devil, but every time we resist the devil, we submit to God. For he is a minister of God. I never understood this, but now I, it's flesh in me. Ask God today to make this flesh in you. Ask God that, to, to really reveal it to you, to show you that, you are that Jesus is really king. I thank you, Lord, that today that we would be, it would be revealed, Father, that we are really the Son of God if we don't know that we're really the Son of God because it says that we will bear witness that we are a Son of God. And if we are a son of God, we are a son of the king. And if we are co heirs we are kings and priests with the king in the kingdom. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that we, we see it, that we would know it, that we would never fret again about what goes on in the world, that we would never fret again, even if they come here and they tear it up and they tear up everything that we know and love, but they won't tear up what God has inside of us because only God can kill the body and kill the soul. We fear him. Yeah. Jesus is king. Is he king of your life? Is he king of your heart? Is he the king of my heart today? Is he the king of your heart today? And if he's the king of your heart, you have nothing to worry about because the kings are under his kingdom, whether they like it or not, and for his kingdom. Light and darkness. Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.